0: We are, yeah, it's Mark 14. Uh, we'll start with verse 66. Uh, so, Mark, like many of the other Gospels, is going to spend um, a good chunk of the time just in the last um, week of Jesus' life. So, if you kind of flip back, you'll see that Mark 11 is the place in the book of Mark where it starts off. So, Mark is going to be dedicating almost a third of his book. Um, to the last week of Jesus' life. Matthew is going to devote 25% of it. John is going to devote, um, I think it's 40%. So a lot of the stuff that Jesus is saying um, is recorded, but also like almost like a blow-by-blow, a blow. Um, particularly in, in Luke, gives us a really in detail of that. Um, Mark uh, does as well. It's just a shorter book in general and is not nearly as descriptive. All that to say, we're going to read what is a very, very well-known part of um, the gospel story of Jesus' last week and really his his last night here on earth before the resurrection. And we did talk about this a couple of months ago, and I don't have a lot more to say about what we already said. That does not mean it's not good for us to hear again, though. Um, So we are going to read about how Peter disowns Jesus. So starting verse 66 of Mark chapter 14. So while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming herself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she then again, she said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you're one of them, for you are a Galilean. In the other um, Gospels it would say, For your accent gives you away. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. All right, that's our passage for the day. Um, So one of the things that we talked about a couple of months ago is, so this is a very, like, it's not uncommon that with, lot, with a story that you hear a lot in church. Um, this is like, I mean, we, always, we hear this every Easter. Um, you hear uh, this oftentimes talked about like Jesus's ability to forgive and see the best in people because then in John, we have this amazing picture of how Peter is restored. So it's the restoration of Peter. And in the same way that he denies Jesus three times, he then is restored three times where Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. No, really, feed my sheep. Um, and like, it's just a, like if you grew up in church, if you've been around church, this is probably something that you've heard a lot. Um, it is something that has been preached on, thought about, and really passed down a lot for thousands of years now. Um, and oftentimes, what happens when you have things like that is there are there are thoughts that go along with that that actually aren't in the Bible. Um, and so, like, and this is just normal, right? I mean, like, this is just the way that humans do it. Like, what we will oftentimes do is attribute things to stories, um, and because we just hear it enough, like, it just passes on in the water from like one generation to another generation to another generation. This is a great example of that because. In general, most people feel like they know exactly what was going on in Peter's head when they read this story. Um, the, and so like it is a, like a—you can hear pastors just get up and say, like, hey, the reason that Peter denies Jesus is because he's scared. Um, he's, he's afraid that he is going to be in the same place that Jesus is. He's going to be crucified, or bad things happen— to people who are close to Jesus. Um, It's important to say the Bible never says that. Um, We actually do not know Peter's motivation for being in this courtyard and denying Jesus in these moments. Um, He's clearly caught up because what the Gospels do say um, is that when the rooster crows three times in one of the Gospel accounts, Jesus actually is like making eye contact with Peter Um, after the rooster crows and it says and he remembered that jesus said and in this account it's jesus um he remembers what jesus said just after the rooster crows um one of the things that i said a couple of months ago is all that we can do is give hypotheses as to what is going on with peter and i shared what i think is a more reasonable hypothesis about what's going on which rashad is already laughing at (laughs) Um, and I think it's like, I think this whole idea that Peter is just scared about what's going to happen doesn't keep in line with what we know about Peter in the gospels up until this point. Um, what we do know is that 24 hours previous to this, when people tried to take Jesus, what did Peter do? He, he took out a sword and he chopped off the servant, the high priest's servants here. Um, and, like, Jesus probably, like, in utter bewilderment looks at Peter and is like, what are you doing? Don't you know that the people who live by the sword die by the sword? It says he just picks up the ear and, like, sticks it back on the guy, and it's whole and restored. It's, like, crazy. Um, like, that. Like we, that's a Peter we know. We know a Peter who gets out of a boat in a storm and walks to Jesus. Uh, we know a Peter who is constantly brazenly saying things that no one else is willing to say. Um, in on, on one occasion like you're the Christ you're the son of the living God and probably the same day maybe the next day saying something that makes Jesus so angry he says to Peter get behind me Satan for you do not have in mind the things of God but the things of men I mean like there is a, there's a brazenness, a brashness, a courageousness to Peter that seems to be strangely missing from the hypothesis that like he was just really scared like, if he was really, really scared, he would have been like the other disciples who weren't there. Like, the other disciples were not there. Um, they had scattered and fled. Peter is the one following Jesus around. Um, and I think it is much more likely. And Again, I can't prove this. It is very important to say that. But I can also say no one else can prove that I'm wrong or that Peter was just scared. Like, and this is the point. Like, we can't prove these things. All we can do is give hypotheses. Um, I think it's much more likely that Peter is just biding his time and waiting to spring Jesus out. Like, it is clear that he will do stupid stuff. And that would have been dumb. Like, there's no way you you walk out with that. Like, there are way too many guards there. But we also know that Peter does not always do the smartest things in the world. He got out of a boat (laughs) and walked on water. That is not, like, a wise thing to do. I mean, he does it because Jesus tells him to. What what we know more than anything else is Jesus is Peter's unflailing um, commitment to Jesus and who he was, and sometimes that commitment produces really stupid things in him, um, which again is really important to show. Like it's not just the words of Jesus or the works of Jesus, but the way of Jesus that we're committed to. There's a way of following Jesus, and so when Peter takes out the knife or the sword, chops off the servant's ear. The thing that he says is like, hey, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. My way is not to like produce the will of God by taking out a sword and stabbing someone. Like that's not the way of Jesus. Um, in the same way, the way of Jesus is not like spring Jesus out. Um, because what Jesus is constantly going to say, I mean, we say this probably like three times a week, I'm only going to do what I see the Father doing. That's all I'm going to do. John five 19, I'll only do what I see the Father doing. This is what the Father is doing. And in Mark 9, it says that he he sets his face towards Jerusalem. It's like, I will not be deterred. I am going here for a cosmic purpose. And once again, what it is that Peter is doing is if... if this hypothesis is right, is trying to like spring Jesus out, which sounds really good and exciting and you can make a really good film on that, but it is not what God was doing. He was meant to actually go through everything he was going through. Um, and I, I think, it again, this is really, really, really important for us to hear every day and to live in every day. And every day I violate this. Um We can can be about Jesus, and we can be following Jesus, but there is a way to follow him, Um, and we can subvert that even as we try to follow him. Now, that can produce fear in us. Like, it can produce this thing. We have all this apprehension and all of this anxiety around, well, am I following? Like, is this the way? Is this the way? Is this the way? What about this or this or this? Like... And the thing I think Jesus would just say is, like, peace be with you, <laughs> um, because you can't. You cannot perfectly follow the way of Jesus. Um, and there's this, this is like the paradox of our faith. It's like you are to be holy amidst the knowledge that you cannot be. Um, you are not released from the bounds of following Jesus in a particular way, but you walk with the knowledge that as you do that, you know that you can't. Um, and that is the like that is the grace that we swim, and that is the Holy Spirit that we have that gives us like that every day we would follow Jesus, um, in His way more perfectly. Not because we can, um, but because the Holy Spirit can help us, and over time we will follow Him more and more closely in the way that He's laid out for us to follow Him. And so it's not it's not you know strange to see that like towards the end of His life Peter is still doing crazy stuff. Um. But where that, that leads him is places that he would never have. Like He ends up like on the north coast of Africa, planting churches all along the seaboard there um, before Rome finally is like, we're done. Takes him to Rome, and they crucify him upside down um, because he refused to be crucified in the same way that his Lord was crucified. He wouldn't have it. Um, so we see the brashness and the courage of Peter. Like that stays with him. But that thing that the Lord had given him can be molded and shaped in a very particular way um, so that look distinctly Jesus and not distinctly Peter. Um, and that's our opportunity. Um, the Lord has given each of you um, a deposit. Um, so he's given you a story. He's given you shaping. He's given you background. Um, he has given you gifts. He has given you brokenness. Um, There are things that are uniquely you, things that you have been uniquely called to, things that you are uniquely passionate about, um, things that are very quirky about you. I'm not quirky at all, as you know. (laughs) Thank you, Toya. Um, There are things that are uniquely you. um, And the thing that C.S. Lewis says is that the longer that you're a Christian, the longer you follow Jesus, the longer you're going to feel like, the more you're going to feel like yourself. And so Peter, towards the end of his life, as he's doing this unbelievable stuff, and he endures like an unbelievable death, um, had never been more fully alive and more fully himself. Um, and we see flashes and glimmers of that in the Gospels. We see the boldness of Peter. We also see like the failings of Peter in Galatians 2, um, when he has a face-to-face with Paul that does not go so well with him. Uh, but ultimately, what we see is the Lord able to take the brashness and the courage and turn it into something that's extraordinary, extraordinary for the kingdom. We have that same opportunity today, um, but that that opportunity is only formed in us as we do as we follow the way of Jesus. So that's our opportunity today.